0: Thank you guys very much. We're at long last coming to the end of the book of Ephesians to some of your glee and uh, had someone today some nice sweet person say they hope it never ends and they love it so I appreciate that. Uh, We've been in this for a long time haven't we? Uh, We've been looking at Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus and the surrounding churches Uh, a word of loving care. There are times that the apostle uh, will write a letter and you can tell that there's conflict, that there are problems to be solved. But in this case, uh, he has written one uh, out of love and nurture for a fledgling church, a brand new church, a brand new Christians. These were not even religious people. They were Gentiles who had come into the faith having learned about the life, the death, the burial The resurrection of the Lord Jesus and so he sees them and like we might see a new baby struggling to climb up onto his knees and to waddle around for the first time the Apostle Paul reaches down to strengthen that effort in these new believers and he's done so marvelously in fact the Ephesian letter is uh, one of the works of the New Testament that is acclaimed most by even even secular literary scholars Uh, there's so much rich doctrine And theology in this, and the the idea has been all along that once you are claimed by Jesus, once your life has been transformed, once newness has come by placing faith in the risen Savior, there's no going back. There's no undoing what God has done. The Ephesians are safe, they are secure, they are held by God. The song we sang this morning is a a good uh, example of that. I'm a child of God, that's not enough. We go ahead and we say, yes, I am, right? It's confirmed, it's absolute. And so these Ephesians who have been Gentiles, who have been wondering, am I good enough to really be saved? Uh, Am I going to last to the end? Am I equal to these Jewish religious people uh, in my standing before God? The book of Ephesians answers the question with a resounding yes. And there's a comfort in that for you and me. The comfort is this. uh, We look at ourselves. We look at our sin. We know our lives. and We say, am I good enough uh, to to be held by God? Well, no, none of us is good enough, but God is good enough to hold you. Amen? God is good enough to keep us. You, You look around at your circumstances. I'm poor. Am I equal in the sight of God as as these who have more than me, or as those who have legacy generations of religious heritage, and I'm brand new to this. Uh, Is God going to keep me to the end? Does he have the goods to do it? And the answer is yes. And so as we've wrapped through this entire letter, so much is in there, and he draws us now to the very end in chapter 6, verses 18 through 23, the very final last words of this letter to the Ephesians and God's word uh, for us today has to do with prayer. I think it's fitting that the apostle, after all of this, builds up to, uh, to prayer for the Christian walk. How important it is. And we're going to look at that today. We had a baptism scare this morning. Uh, you don't hear that often, a baptism scare, but we had one somebody came as a guest to one of our life groups and sat down and, and just getting to know him. Uh, he, he shared that he was here to see a, a friend of him, his, be baptized. We don't have any baptisms today. And so the baptism team thought they had missed something. Olivia Miller and, or Olivia Batchelor and Matt Batchelor came rushing out of their life group and the looks on their faces, I mean, were just exasperated, like, what well, are we going to have to fill up the tank? I mean, is the water going to be cold? And they were looking at me with just these petrified, you know, looks. And do we have a baptism today? What is this? Other people were scrambling to get ready to. There was some prayer going on this morning uh, right before church. Uh, it was the wrong church, I think. And so he, I, th- I hope he found his way to see his friend uh, be baptized. Prayer is important. But what is prayer? Uh, we, we take it for granted that we know what prayer is. Uh, prayer is simply communicating with God. It can take on various forms. The Lord Jesus shared with us a pattern of prayer in the New Testament, but in reality it can take on the form of praise. It can be a a word of thankfulness or thanksgiving to God. It can be a word of rejoicing. When a newborn baby comes and you just bring God into that rejoicing that you're experiencing, it can be a moment of seeking God. God, draw me closer to you. God, grow me in you. God, help me to know more about you, Lord. I want to be more like you. It can be seeking God in that way. It can be asking for needs from God. He's higher than us. He owns more than we own. uh, And he is the giver of good things to his people. And when we need something, it is not weakness, it is not inappropriate for us in, in the hollowness of our life to seek him who fills all things. To go to God and to seek needs from him, that is not selfish to do that, to go to God and seek needs. It can be just expressing sorrow before God. God, I'm, I'm so sad. I don't know how to deal with this loss. Prayer does not have to fit any given model or, or, or any given shape uh, to be right. It doesn't have to be like the prayer that you heard in Sunday school or like the prayer that you prayed <clears throat> at bedtime with your grandmother in fact in Psalm 13 if you've got your Bible turn there with me this has always impressed me Psalm 13 listen to this word from one of the writers of the Bible verse 1 of Psalm 13 it says this how long O Lord will you forget me forever How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? All the day, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? That's a prayer, isn't it? That's communication with God. We often don't think that, and in fact, uh, you may have been conditioned to to believe that talking to God that way was was somewhat some way way out of bounds that, that that's an emotion that that's a feeling that that's a place that you just can't go to God with but that my friends is prayer and there's a biblical record of crying out to God even in times of the greatest need and uncertainty and so today we look at the seriousness of this matter of And we know it's serious because this verse that we're going to be looking at today has four words in it, all the same, and the word is all. This means the Bible means it, it's as serious, we're to look at this and to live it out in a serious way. So let's look at verses 18 through 23, and we're going to read those together and then look at what God wants us to do with prayer. Ephesians 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Supplication is just a word that means to intercede or to to plead for something for yourself or for others. uh, We are supplicants in prayer. We make supplication for all the saints. And also for me, who's who's the me? The Apostle Paul writing this. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Remember, the Apostle Paul is in prison when he writes this. And of all the things he could pray for, get me out of here get me better food, you know, better bathroom facilities, some lavender spray for my pillow, you know, anything. He could ask for anything to enhance his comfort, but what he asks for here is for boldness to continue the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Verse 21, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you, may know, <clears throat> that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Paul was sending this man uh, to them to deliver this letter and also just to, to catch up and to uh, let, him, let them know how he was. Verse 23, the final words of the letter, Peace be to the brothers and love with faith, From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So, what does God want us to do with prayer? I want to look at four instructions together today. The first is this pray at all times. Pray at all times. When I read this and heard this as a kid, it always seemed impossible to me. You would hear the Bible say in other places to pray without what? Ceasing. You've heard that. Uh, elsewhere it says that we are to be constant in prayer. That seems impossible, doesn't it? It's a foreboding command. I never quite understood it and always thought I could never live up to that. But it doesn't mean that you're just constantly babbling out to God, that you can never say anything to anybody else or think any other thought. It means there's a constant open channel of communication, an interrupted channel to God at all times that is available for us to use. We ought to have a spirit, an attitude of always having God right there, of speaking to him throughout the day, of knowing him and going to him constantly, an uninterrupted channel of prayer, of access to God. That's amazing if you think about it. This is God we're talking about. We take it for such granted, and in fact, we we take it for such granted that we often lay it aside, but this is God to whom we have a constant channel of communication available to us. There's power in that. There was a time in this church uh, where it became evident that somebody was living inside here that we didn't know about, Um, and um, I wasn't actually here at that time, I've heard this story, but uh, they'd come in the morning, there'd be trash in the garbage that wasn't there the night before, and there'd be splattered water in the bathroom like someone had taken kind of a, uh, a bath in the sink, you know, so to speak, and just messed things up. And so Kathy Kemp came in one day uh, early for work and was turning on the lights and <clears throat> uh, deactivating the alarm and, and saw in the, uh, one of the offices over here there was somebody sitting in the chair with his feet up on the desk, having a conversation on the phone. Uh, and cool as a cucumber, right? This is his house, after all. Uh, and so he was cool as a cucumber, having this conversation. Kathy flipped on the light and said, Excuse me. The guy just held up his finger like this. Like, <laughs> I'm not done with my call yet, right? Uh, and if you know Kathy Kemp, uh, that did not go over well with her. Uh, <laughs> Kathy, don't play that, if, if you, if you uh, pardon a <laughs> euphemism. Uh, and so she got it taken care of right quick, but uh, I thought it's amazing, you know, this guy doesn't live, he's not supposed to be here on the phone with his feet up on a desk talking, still was not going to have his conversation interrupted, even by the likes of Kathy Kemp, who's coming through here, and and if, if it's true of this guy, it can be true of you and me with our Heavenly Father, with God, he has given us an open channel of communication that is uninterrupted, We're never without this channel to God, and we are to pray as if that is true. We are to pray at all times. What this means is not just in the morning, but all throughout the day. There ought to be times when you you cry out to God over something or another. God, I'm so thankful for this. God, I thank you for blessing me in this way. When you hear from your kids in the afternoon, God, thank you for my family. When you're going into a tough meeting, God, give me grace for this. When someone's hurting or someone's suffered loss and you remember him in a moment driving down the road in your car between phone conversations on the speaker phone, you take a moment and say, oh, God, I remember my friend, my brother, my sister in Christ today who's in surgery or the one who's at the funeral home today. It's a constant communication with God. You haven't heard from your kid. They're 15 minutes late getting home. You don't know what's going on. Oh, Lord, would you please protect them? It's a constant openness of communication between you and God and we are able to do this because the Holy Spirit of God dwells right within us we're to pray all times how in the Spirit that's because he lives right within us at all times the Spirit of God lives right here we can talk to him always it can be the power of God that fuels our prayers You don't have have to have lifeless, dead prayers because the Holy Spirit lives right here. You can pray in the Spirit. You can dig deep and seek Him. Our prayers can be prompted by the will of God. Who knows the will except the Spirit, right? And the Spirit of God right within us helps us to pray in line with the will of God. The personal presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives means we can walk in such constant closeness with God that our contact with him is never severed. Let's be reminded of that today. I mean, let's put that in our pockets for a moment and say, hey, I'm not living like that. I wanna live differently when I leave here today because of this reminder, God wants his people to walk in that kind of constant communion with him. Pray at all times, but also pray in all ways. Pray in all ways. Verse 18 also says this, and it's confusing. I mean, what does this possibly mean? We're to pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I think this means that prayer is just not confined to any certain place, to any certain posture, to any certain conditions, to any certain vocabulary. Prayer prayer does not have to fit any one box. You don't have to be in this place on your knees praying. We're to pray at all times with all prayer with all supplication that means your prayers will take on different forms sometimes you'll have a prayer of thankfulness and praise to god sometimes your prayers will take on sorrow and need sometimes they'll be spoken sometimes they'll be whispered sometimes it will be they will be sobbed out to god you ever had a prayer like that sometimes they'll be groaned out to god Sometimes you won't even be able to speak them audibly. You'll just have to pray in your mind, God, help me communicate with this person. Make the gospel clear in this moment. It'll just be from your mind to the mind of God. Sometimes you'll sing them. I sing my prayers sometimes. In fact, I was walking in this room the other day about to just sing a hymn to God, my own self. Somebody was in here praying, right? I ruined their prayer uh, for my own prayer. Sometimes I sing a prayer to God. A hymn sometimes can just be a, A prayer to God. Sometimes when it's tough for me to pray, when I can't get my thoughts, when I'm, and let me just say it, when I'm angry at God, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's doing it. uh, I'll write down my prayers. I've got a book in my office that has a lifelong of written prayers to God from when it was just tough for my heart to connect with his. And I said, I'm just going to write it out. I'm going to just see what what I can put down to God here. Sometimes they're sung, sometimes they're written, sometimes it's on your knees, sometimes it's on your face, sometimes it's on your back, sometimes it's for an hour, sometimes it's in an instant. You just, you, just don't, you just burst out of prayer to God, God, I need you. Oh God, help me. And you mean it. It can take on any form you please. I have a poem that I always like to read. I've been urged not to read it today because some people believe it's hokey. My sweet wife Erica see who that is. Um, I like this poem. I'm going to read it to you. It's called The Prayer of Cyrus Brown uh, from 1858. The proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Samuel Keyes, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Robert Wise, is standing up straight with outstretched arms and wholly upturned eyes. Oh, no, 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 said Elder Snow, such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes both closed and head surely bowed. Last year I fell in Hodgkin's well, head first, said Cyrus Brown. With both my heels stuck straight up, my head now pointing down, I made a prayer right then and there, best prayer I ever said, the prayingest prayer I ever prayed, standing on my head. You ever been in that situation? There's no right way to do this. And a lot of us get trapped and paralyzed in the fact that it doesn't match up with a prayer we've heard or or we're afraid we just don't possess the divine vocabulary uh, to put together something that God would find acceptable, or that sounds like it belongs in the church house, friend, just go to God, amen? Just talk to the Savior. He's there for you. This is the one who did not stay in heaven, but came and dwelt on this wretched earth, this broken place, walked that road for you, and gave his life on a cruel cross for you. He's not waiting for you to get it just poetically perfect just eloquent and poised before he will finally open his ears to you and pour out his storehouses into your life. God wants to hear from you. It doesn't have to be perfect. I remember the day that my son Jackson, we were in Gatlinburg together in a little trail, all of us together, and uh, it was freezing. It was the middle of winter, and he said, Dad, should I jump into this creek? And like a good dad, I said, yes, you should, son. And he jumped in, with his clothes on, and I've told this story before, he came washing down that creek, the breath was just sucked out of him in a moment, his eyes were wide open, just fear had just struck into his body, all of his just primal instincts were crying out in need and for help, but he could not say a word, not a breath, and finally as he washed down there, I remember that moment where he was able to just summon the single syllable, and he just said, "Dad." Now that's a silly story and it's a funny story, but it strikes emotion in me because I I can see his face going down and I can see the panic there, although it's temporary and it was a very controlled situation. In his mind, in his face, there was panic and helplessness and all he could get out is the word, dad, and I knew exactly what it meant. And guess what I didn't say? What is it, you know? (laughs) Isn't there more, you know? Man, I rushed down there and grabbed him out of there, loved on him, and I remember that for the rest of my life. Sometimes your prayer may just be, God. God knows. Sometimes all the strength that you have is just to cry out, Lord, are you still my Father? Do you still hear me? Will you come in this moment? God hears you, and he's not there waiting and saying, isn't there more? He knows your heart. He wants to hear from you. Sometimes your kids will come into your bedroom, and they'll lay there, and they'll make a strong case for several minutes why they ought to be able to go to Six Flags with their friend tomorrow, right? They'll make this big, developed thing. Sometimes they'll just holler from the pantry and say, "Can I have a snack? And we respond to them, don't we? Sometimes they'll text from school, I forgot my backpack. And we go with the backpack. Sometimes they'll just call your name, Dad. Sometimes they can't even say a word. You just hear them throwing up in a toilet somewhere, right? It's disgusting having kids. (laughs) But you you just but you're awakened. (laughs) You're awakened to the sound of even that distress. And in that moment, they cannot call upon you. But you know that they need you, and you go nonetheless. There is a miracle of the New Testament in Romans chapter 8. Listen, this is insane. This is crazy. You need to keep this. Uh, The Bible says this, the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For when we do not know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Who is that? That's God who searches hearts. God knows the mind of his own Holy Spirit, and so when the Holy Spirit cries out on our behalf with groanings too deep for words, God don't have to interpret that. He gets it. He knows it. He who searches the heart knows What is the mind of the Spirit? Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. That's you and me. Saints are not like, you know, St. Augustine or whatever. It's it's, it's us. it's, It's those of us who are born again. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When your life is at the toilet and all you can do is utter some groan of distress, you don't even know how to pray as you ought, God has provided such a provision in the Holy Spirit himself that he intercedes for us before the throne of God with groanings too deep for words. This is like a a language that God understands, words and vocabulary that not even you and me could summon in that moment of need. The Holy Spirit summons them. He takes them to God and God knows. Isn't that amazing? Pray it doesn't have to fit the mold. Pray in all ways. doesn't have to be someone else's prayer. It can be just you and God. God is not limited to hearing from you. Only in a fixed set of conditions, his loving presence is open to you at all times, for any need, and in every circumstances. Pray to God. But thirdly, pray with all awareness. Pray with all awareness. Our prayers are to have the quality, in verse 18, of keeping alert with perseverance. There's an element to prayer that means we ought to be watchful. We ought to be aware of something in prayer. And it ought to be important enough to us that we don't just do it here and there, but that we persevere in prayer. We keep praying. The word persevere is interesting. It means it's not easy to do. It doesn't come natural. We persevere in it. We keep going back to God in prayer. That's a part of our lives. If we've learned anything from the Ephesian letter, especially the last chapter here, it's that we are not on a peacetime footing, are we? There's a warfare happening. And if we pay attention, there are urgent reasons in this world that should cause Christians to pray. An alertness to the need for prayer an alertness to the threats that are coming at us, to, to the temptations that are rolling upon us. Uh, an alertness to the desperate needs in, for instance, the Hawaiian Islands right now. An alertness to the injustice in the world. An alertness to those who drive by our church every day who are hurting desperately. Many of them on little yellow school buses out here with hearts that are just, I mean, just devastated from life. An alertness to to the need to be praying. I was at a, an amusement park a few weeks ago called Lake Winnipesoka. I like to talk about Lake Winnie, so you've heard me say this before. It's near Chattanooga, a little regional amusement park, old, old school uh, and just clinging uh, to life but uh, it's a, it's a neat place. I love to go there. I was there with my kids and my mom we were standing in line for food. My mom and I, the kids were out doing something and uh, on a concrete pad and amusement park food, you know, um, chicken fingers and hamburgers, and we're just waiting in line. And a man in front of us with uh, a, a, about, a, I would say, 12, 13, 14 year old girl with him, and an autistic little boy with him, and, and then his own daughter. Uh, the girl was his daughter's best friend. All of a sudden she stiffened up and just fell poof, on that concrete, that hard, smooth concrete surface flat on her face. I mean, head just popped on the ground. She busted all her teeth up in here on that concrete, and she just laid there. I mean, just laid there, and I didn't know what happened. We were right there with her, and the man rushed to her side and called her name and uh, began trying to administer uh, to, uh, you know, help to her, and so I said, what can I do? And He said, uh, could I have a bag of ice? And so I went up to the counter of this place and said, you know, could I have a a bag of ice for for this? It was all right. Everybody could see what happened, you know. Could I have a bag of ice for this man? And she said, well, we normally don't give away ice. (laughs) And about that moment with that girl right there, somebody else came up and was asking for some ketchup packets. I thought, what is wrong with these people, you know? Uh, this is not normal you know, operations here. We need to suspend the normal for a moment. Uh, if you normally don't give out ice, let's give out some ice today. If you normally need ketchup right now, wait on your ketchup for just a moment. She did give the ice eventually, and the girl eventually stirred, and the sad scene uh, as, as it continued to unfold. I just couldn't believe it, though. That was so out of place. And I wonder sometimes that Christians aren't standing in the shoes of those folks who refused the ice and wanted the ketchup. If we look around our world, the the needs are desperate, the gospel needs power, the gospel needs servants, people are hurting, there is need, there's tragedy, there's heartache everywhere. The lost Continue to to die and to go to hell without Jesus. uh, If we're awake to that, we're not going to operate under peacetime conditions. We're not going to keep asking for the ketchup. And we're not going to ride down the road with access and an open conduit to the Lord God with us and say nothing. Aware. Keep alert. Persevere. Keep praying. Keep going. Keep calling God's name. Christians cannot afford to act like everything is normal with the magnitude of the earthly and spiritual need of the times God has called us to. This is our time, and God is right at hand. Let's be people of prayer. Your family's future is at stake. Dull and deadened hearts of consciences are at stake. The unresponsive complacency of Christians is at stake. The hardened heart of sinners is at stake. Broken and unforgiven relationships are at stake. Deliverance from sin is at stake. Healing for the hurting is at stake. Gospel opportunities, salvation for the lost, protection and deliverance out of temptation, all of this is at stake. Let's not act like things are normal. Let's pray with awareness. Let's pray with perseverance. But lastly, let's pray for all God's people. That's the fourth all here. Making supplication for who? For all the saints. And the Apostle Paul adds, and also for me. I love that. I hate to ask for prayer. I hate to ask for things from you or from others But when I read that, let me just confess to you, uh, I I feel my own need for prayer. If there's anything, the best thing that you can do for me is to please pray for me. I need your prayers. Uh, We might look at the Apostle Paul and think, well, man, this guy is some some kind of hero, giant, stalwart. What could he possibly need? He's got all the answers and He writes all the letters. He's the one with authority in this. Even he says in this moment, and also for me. I say that to you today, and also for me. Pray for me, for your pastor, for our other pastors and ministers. Pray for the word of God. And what he prays for here is that he would be bold in opening his mouth to proclaim the gospel, and at the end here, that he would declare it boldly as I ought to speak. At my heart as your pastor, I want to do that simple word, what I ought to do. It's not always clear to me, and it's constant challenges of oughtness in my life. What does this situation call for? How do I thread the needle with this potential conflict? How do I balance this concern in the church and this other concern in the church? Uh, what God, what ought to what ought I to do? What ought I to say on Sunday morning? Is there enough challenge in this and enough comfort in it too, God? Is this right? Is this authentic? Is my heart in it? And listen, it's not easy all the time. I ask for your prayers, but the Bible tells us here that we ought to pray for all the saints. God wants Christians to look upon one another with an eye toward prayer. He wants us to see each other and to to say, I'm going to pray for that man or woman. He wants us to meet each other on Sunday morning and be thinking, how can I pray for them? What do they need in prayer? To think of our missionaries in Uganda and all over the world and think, I'm going to pray for those gospel workers. I've been reading a book. Uh, In fact, I haven't been reading it. I've been listening to it. It's the first audio book I've ever listened to, and uh, I'm enjoying doing it. Um, I don't get time to read, but I can listen to a book sometimes when I'm brushing my teeth or doing other things, and it's been really nice. And I was laying in the bed the other night, and the, the house was quiet. Everybody was asleep except for me. I couldn't go to sleep, and I thought, man, I'd love to listen to my book right now. But everybody's asleep. I know if I push play on that audio book, it's going to wake them up, and I just can't, I guess I can't do that. And I, th- I thought, I wish there was a way. That I could, uh, you know, get my, you know, hear my book without waking everybody up, and I realized I could. It's called reading, you know. I could read the book, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a mixed-up world we're in now, right? I could legit get out the book and put my eyes on it. I mean, that's what it was designed for in the beginning. Uh, The listening to it is just an aberration of what it actually. Anyway, I went on and on. I thought, what an idiot. Uh, But anyway. Sometimes we find ourselves asking that question, don't we? I wish there was a way that I could strengthen and comfort and help this person. I wish there was some way that I I could be a part of adding power to gospel ministry and that I could strengthen our missionaries and that I could comfort those who are leading and teaching. I, I wish there was something I could do. And it's like God looks at us in the face and says, You idiot. Not re- Probably not really, but he, he looks at us and says, Hey, pray. Uh, pray for them. One has said, I think Oswald Chambers has said, Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. It's not a, a consolation prize for you to pray for each other, it's not just a, a second rate service for us to say, I'm praying. Now, sure enough, you've heard you don't want to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole, right? When there's something that we can do, sure, let's do it. You don't lean on a shovel and and pray for a hole, but prayer is powerful. It is the greater work. How can I help? How can I love? How can I care for my brother, my sister in Christ? You can pray for them. How can I protect and strengthen the gospel and gospel workers? Uh, I wish there was a way that I could do that. You can pray for them. That's why I love our life groups. Our life groups are praying communities of believers. You guys know each other. You see into each other's lives, and you are petitioning the Father for one another sincerely. You're persisting in that before God. That's the way you can do it. You can pray for all God's people. There is an awesome power accessible within the body of Christ when we will prioritize prayer for one another and for God to strengthen us, all of us, for his kingdom calling for each one of us. I think the world has yet to see what God will do through a church who really owns this, who really says, yes, I will do it. and churches as organizations don't do this you do it and he does it and she does it and I do it and before long that is what characterizes God's people you want to see a falling of the Holy Spirit on a body of believers you want to see God answer back in power to help and to do things that we can't ask or imagine you go to him in prayer real quick let's let's close but I brought this up To show today. We put little A-frame signs. Can you see it? put little A-frame signs out by the road every week, little sandwich board signs with different messages. Sometimes they say uh, one is there is redemption. Jesus came to save. Um, One of them says children's ministry, you know, this time on Sunday morning. One of them says student ministry Wednesday nights. All kinds of little signs. This is my favorite one to put out. we rotate through them, but I love this sentiment uh, out by the roadside, God doesn't leave. And when I put it out there, I envision people driving by here, some lady whose husband has left her, some lady whose um, the father of her children is gone, some kid who doesn't understand where mom is, why he's living somewhere else now than he used to live, doesn't understand why he's been betrayed, somebody left, somebody was there that should be there, that's not there anymore. And in my mind, in my heart, I just envision them riding by, and yes, sometimes in those school buses, and just seeing that on the way to school, and thinking, you know what, God never leaves. He does not leave. That's what the message of Ephesians has been, from verse 1 to the very end of verse of chapter 6. God doesn't leave. You are safe. If you're born again, I mean if you place your faith in Christ, you are safe because he's the one that saved you and he's not going to lose you. God doesn't leave. The book of Ephesians ends with these words, final words in verse 24. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And we know that we are able to love God with a love that truly is incorruptible. It's not going to give out. It's not going to wash out. It's not going to burn out. We have to love him with love incorruptible only because he first loved us that way. We are safe in his arms. We can love him with an incorruptible love. And this type of love, friends, involves a prayerful faithfulness in following him. When we pray to God, we tell him, God, you know more than me. You're bigger than me. You have more than me. Your priorities are bigger than my priorities. I submit my plans to your better plans. Your wisdom is better than my thoughts. What you can see that I can't see, Lord, I trust it. That's following God with an incorruptible love. And when we've been given something like that, let's not lay it down. Amen? Let me pray for us. just a moment I'd be delighted to offer you a time of response. I know there's someone here today that needs to respond to God. If I know God to be true and faithful as he is then I know that he's spoken today to somebody and maybe right there from your seat right where you're at without moving that's okay You need to not let these last few minutes waste away and just wind down quietly, but you need to speak in your heart to God and ask Him to do something, to pray right now. Ask Him to make prayer a part of your life. Ask Him to strengthen you in prayer to help this habit to form in you. Maybe you would come down. Maybe someone needs to make a a decision today And you're not satisfied to sit there like every other day. You want to do something different. You want to show God that you're serious. You want to make your way down here and bend your knee and bow before the Father. We'll give you privacy to do that. Or I'll stand with you and pray with you if you would rather. You just let me know. Maybe someone needs to come to Christ today for the first time. He's always been distant to you. He's always been abstract to you. But somehow God has broken through and reminded you, that he is a loving father, that he gave his very son for you, that he actually desires to love you and be close with you today. That's a savior you can count on. That's a God you can live for. Maybe you come to the cross today. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God and for trusting it to us. You are exceedingly good. And Father, help us to love you, to walk this life with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, you're invited to respond.